Welcome to Bald Heads Bad Takes. This is our second episode. This is the podcast where you'll find all our hot takes, cold takes, and even some bad takes. We have some guests, our familiar guests, back in the studio today. First, will you introduce yourself, yourself Will? All right, I'm uh, Will Hamadaller. I'm back here again, uh, just as I will be for every episode. <laughs> and over to my right. Uh, Evan Bailey, and I will also be back <laughs> Alright, well, the first question before we get into some theology today is what do we think about Tiger Woods going into the Masters starting today? Alright, so I have a sort of hot take on this. I think that Bryson DeChambeau will win this, but about Tiger, I think he'll finish top 10. Which is awesome. I mean, finishing top 10 after broken legs, after the car accident, uh, that'll be awesome for him. But people that say he's going to win, come on. I, he just broke his legs. Can he even walk the course? Oh, I'm a dollar. What do you think? Uh, I just started watching the Masters uh, today. Started, uh, saw a little bit of Tiger. I mean, he's 10th he's right now. He's tied for 10th, right? Just hit a birdie as we're talking. Just hit a birdie as we're recording. Just just had a birdie through 16, so he's one under. Okay, so he's moving up. I, yeah, I, I agree up. with you, but I think I think he I think it's very possible he finishes top 10. Mm-hmm. It's a stretch to say he'll win, but see, I'm gonna go with Tiger Woods winning. Wow. No, I know it's I know it's not a popular opinion right now, but I mean he's Tiger Woods. That is true. When he got in the car accident. The, the verdict was that he would never play golf again. And look mm-hmm. where he's at. And look where he's, right. look where he's, look what he's overcome in his career as far as uh, just the different issues he had early in his career and just coming back to winning again the Masters. And I think he's also won this, I think he's won it six times, right? Like he knows his course. I think that Tiger Woods winning is not out of the question. Absolutely. Um, and it's exciting that he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have our, there's a little bit of a take on the Masters, but one of the things going around the Christian world today has been this crazy firestorm going on with Hillsong Church out of Australia. It's a Assembly of God church, it's a mega church in, in Sydney, Australia, and as most people know, they have a large recording label, and a lot of the worship songs, we even sing in chapel here, but in churches all throughout the world, we sing these Hillsong songs, but what happened in the last month or so is that their founding pastor, Brian Houston, he is accused of sexual misconduct. Now, it's not really exactly clear what this means. There has been this inappropriate text messages to female employees. And there's another, there's another um, story that he went into one of the female employees' hotel rooms at night uh, after taking anxiety medication and drinking. And he just said he doesn't really remember what happened. And um, so originally he was going to resign, but now this week he's saying that um, he's learned from his mistakes, and he's going to continue on. Um, but it begs the question, with, with the Hillsong brand and the Hillsong music, do you think this is something that we should continue playing in churches? Um, or And is is this man's failing? Does that negate all of the Hillsong music? What do you boys think? Will? Um, I'll start with this. So I have a, another article here by the Washington Post um, from August 6, 2021. So this is a while ago. Um where Brian Houston uh, was uh, charged with um, several counts of concealing child sex abuse by his former uh, pastor father in the 1970s. So there's some other stuff going on too Mm -hmm. there. I don't know how that ended up, but as far as music um, in our churches, I 
I mean, even before I knew of all this, I didn't think Hillsong was a good option for us because uh, I, I think that they are, they have some very deep-rooted theology issues mm-hmm. um, that I think we'd not, we're not really going to get into uh, while we're here. But um, yeah, I, especially after all this, I don't see how you can, how you can make a case for it, really. Um, I think Chapel's a little different. Um, you can make a you can make a case there that it doesn't, you know, if we're like playing their music as we walk in and out, it's not a problem. I don't think uh, maybe worship, um, but and churches no, I'm a and I honestly I think I prefer a choir and hymns and mm-hmm. organ and psalms because you can't mess those up. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm I think I'm in the same boat with you, Will. Uh, I just know that Hillsong they do have a lot of doctrinal issues and. You can see that in their songs, and you can see that uh, just through the way they live out their lives. Um, we know that their theology is not always sound. Um, but with their pastor, it's super sad, first of all, mm. to see someone fall like that. Yeah, uh, And it seems to be a family issue, uh, that article that you showed about his dad, too. Um, so that's pretty sad, first of all. And second of all, uh, Hillsong does need to uh, issue church discipline. I mean, I don't think he should still actively be the pastor of the church, especially mega church. Right. After dealing with that, and then just saying, "Sorry, sorry, guys, I learned from yeah. my mistakes." And, you and gotta, he, yeah, go ahead. In uh, in regards to this um, sexual abuse cover up incident, um, he has stated, um, "This is a quote: I vehemently profess my innocence, and I welcome the opportunity to set the record straight." This is back in August. I don't know um, what the uh, verdict of this case has been if there is one or not um but yeah and don't uh parking on that um church discipline um for its members you know this is uh the church you know when we see justin bieber going to church mm-hmm. and actors and famous people going to church it's usually uh hillsong in los angeles it's you know kevin durant it's all these celebrities go there um and uh, it's really like nothing is made clear really what the um like as far as like bylaws and mm-hmm. what's expected mm-hmm. of its members and um and we've already talked about the deep rooted theology issues so yeah yeah well i'm going to i'm going to push back a little bit with you guys on this because in my own i've seen people with uh some per, some uh, character issues and even some theology issues be mm-hmm. used mightily for example when i was about 25 years old i was invited to go see Robbie Zacharias uh speak at a, at a local seminary up near Boston, and I thought God used that, because before that, I really just thought that Christianity was kind of kind of a joke, it didn't really make sense to me, and, and, and God used that uh, to really, like, convince me of a lot of, at least the possibility of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think God uses these flawed peoples, these flawed systems, and uh, maybe not all their songs, but I mean, there are some songs that, like, you know, for example, from the inside out, you know, like, I, I, like there are some songs that I, I enjoy, and I don't really see uh, theological issues in all of them. Right, yeah. um, and okay. I think there's also something where, like, if people know those songs and they've listened to them for years, it might be. I mean, it's a way for them to worship. So, while I, I mean, my preference in church is is is, is more hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the modern hymns with guitars, but um, I don't know. I, I think that mm-hmm. I think we're maybe doing uh, our congregants a disservice if we just cut out Hillsong. Okay, so just to again push back, uh, as the brothers do, <laughs> we keep pushing back. Um, Ravi Zacharias was he a pastor? 
He is not. No. So pastors are especially called to live above reproach, and they are called to live. I don't want to say a more pure lifestyle, but they are expected. They have a higher standard. Exactly. I mean, it 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 really is a more pure. I mean, yeah. Well, First Timothy and Titus, like yeah, exactly. So I think with Ravi Zacharias comparing them, that's not the exact same. But but what is Hillsong music? Is Hillsong music? Uh, necessarily connected to Brian Houston. I think it is. Yes, when you put the label at the bottom that yeah. every every song you sing that has Hillsong, you will see Hillsong. Yeah. So on is, it. is your argument saying that if, if we have this in churches, we kind of we, we kind of muddy up what is well, what is clear about you know the role of the church? Is that well, what I just don't want people to see Hillsong and then go look up Hillsong, start listening to their sermons because that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and, so. and it may be it may be uncommon, and I think if. Like, uh, like what you were saying, Denny. If you know, I think if people want to listen to that on their own and worship him, and even in some settings, um, but I think as a congregation, it's dangerous to do that. Um, and then why not just go with something that you know is? Uh, there's there's better options out right. there. So yeah. like, why why not just stay safe? Yeah, like believers' yeah. baptism. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for a new for, for another one. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think for example, like I would not, I would not be a proponent of having Bethel music played in my church. I think Bethel music's theology is just completely off. Um, Same with Hillsong, though. Hillsong, right? I, I, Hillsong Bethel's, is part Bethel's of worse. Hillsong's yeah. part of Assembly of God denomination, which I mean, is charismatic. Um, so where, but I don't think their actual theology necessarily goes into heretical I think it's just more um, in my opinion it's off but I don't know if it's heretical so where would you draw that line to say Bethel bad Hillsong good to sing like, well, I, don't where, think where's the I, think, I don't think it's Hillsong good I think it's Hillsong I'm not saying Hillsong acceptable. good I'm saying Hillsong uh, acceptable as far as lyrics but, Bethel, but where's Bethel? the line because Bethel does have some good songs as well yeah I think Bethel's whole organization is based on heresy. It's yeah. I think I think the pastor over there, um, what's his what's his name? It's Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson. Johnson. He teaches you know that we're little gods. We can manifest yeah. things that happen. Modalism as well. Yeah, like um, Hillsong. I, I don't I don't think that's what they're teaching. I mean, in fact, when I first became a Christian, I was part of an Assembly of God church, and really? and there was I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things that I disagree with, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as heresy, I, I just I just didn't see that now. But obvious, didn't we obvious. just talk about uh, Brian Houston and his mistakes? So, like, I just, where's the line of saying, yeah, this pastor's bad, but music's good? Well, for example, like, say, you know, say we're part, you're part of a church, and it's mm-hmm. a good church, um, and the pastor enters True. into a moral, moral failing, mm-hmm. you know? Does that, does that, so if a PCA church, Presbyterian church, or a Southern Baptist church, if the pastor enters into a moral failing, does that mean that that church is completely like teaching bad doctrine. I don't think so. I think it means that man had a had a moral failing. Okay. Bethel Church as itself is built on like the foundation of that yeah. church is off. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can say that the foundation of Hillsong now, now the Assembly of God denomination I don't think is heretical. I think I think the whole uh, multi campus situation that's going across the entire world is problematic on all kinds of levels. But I don't know if the theology behind it is, is worthy of being canceled. But wouldn't the uh, church, if it was sound and if it was good, wouldn't they push back on Brian Houston taking charge? Well, I think they are. They are. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, they've good. called him to resign. Okay. So I, I think that they are. I mean, them. and again, I'm not. A, I'm not advocating. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like. I don't love Hillsong theology, but I do think that 
it might be going a little too far to cancel okay. them. Okay. All right. Um, so that's that's respectable. I mean, that just that just that's where I come from this, but I think that uh, you know I can obviously see the other side to this. But mm-hmm. so today we are going to get into our theology for just a little bit, and the question today revolves around youth ministry. So the listeners this podcast. Uh, youth ministry is something that is almost every Ben Lippin student is involved in. We have we have Young Life, we have church youth ministry, we have chapel here, and uh, we're going to kind of work off some of the con- um, some of the controversy around youth ministry in the last decade or so. And one of the men who's kind of led the charge is a man named Vadi Bakum, and it's mostly conservative Baptists that are kind of kind of leading this charge, but. There's a lot of uh, problems mm-hmm. with youth ministry. I think we can all kind of kind, agree, of, kind with of agree with that, right? Absolutely. But the question is, are the are the problems <coughs> worthy of us canceling youth ministry? Buddy Bauckham says, I don't want to cancel. I want to emancipate it, meaning like mm-hmm. he wants to free people to be part of the church. Yeah. Um, so the first first kind of idea here is, does youth ministry kind of take away the responsibility from parents to okay. disciple their kids? What do you guys think? I think I think first we should um, we should kind of lay the groundwork for um, why there is a problem in the youth ministry um, and some evidence of that and also um, should we even care for the youth like should we even um, be ministering specifically to youth so Evan you've got some data here for us yeah according to uh, Pew Research Center and USA Today. It's estimated around 70 to 75% of Christian youth leave the church after high school. And I've even heard, uh, I think it was by David Platt, it's up to like 80%. And so, yeah, I think uh, the problem with youth ministries in America especially is that uh, just the fact that this many uh, number of people are leaving the church at such a young age, which is... I think we would all agree a very, very large problem yeah. on the state. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, number. so mm-hmm. I have some verses here for us. Um, Proverbs twenty two six: Train up a child in the way he should go; even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ecclesiastes four thirteen: Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king, who I no longer knew to take his advice. Um, so, youth should be wise. Um, we should train up the youth in the, the way they should go. And First uh, Timothy four twelve, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. First Timothy four twelve. Now that's a direct um, admonition from Paul to Timothy. Um, but the general idea of this is that yes, it is biblical that we raise up children in the faith. And that we um, teach them the way mm-hmm. of this, and uh, we are vessels of sanctification for them. So, I think that in the modern evangelical church, youth ministry in many places has taken the role of the parents in the household. And what I mean by that is, um, it is um, like like a parent, say for example will drop off their kid at Sunday school, um, youth ministry on a Sunday morning. And outside of that, they really don't do any sort of family worship, no sort of uh, catechism, which I think we should get into. I think we'll talk about that. Um, it's a lost art. Um, there's no sort of uh, 
no sort of family uh, discipleship involved. Really, it's drop off your kid at youth ministry, drop off your kid at a place like Young Life, and um, and just let them do the work. That's when really, it, yeah. when really, it's the job of the parents to do that. So, yep. what do you guys think about that? So, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. I think that in in the book of Titus, Paul writes in chapter two, he talks about the older women and the older men kind of investing in the young people. Um, so, I, so Vadi Bakum would say that there really is no biblical grounds for for uh, youth ministry. And I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of things in scripture that we can't really say oh and point to and say okay that's there therefore we can do it. Like for example, mm-hmm. electric guitar. Yeah. It's not it's not in the scriptures, right? Yeah. Does that mean we can't do it? I don't think so, yeah. right? Um, but is it wise, I think, is the question. Now, I think that there has been, uh, for most of church history, a way to, to kind of get youth into the body of the church in almost a separate way. So, for example, you said catechism. Yeah. And catechism is something, um, for those who aren't familiar with it, it is, it is a way of kind of through question and response training kids in theology. Um, and it's something that's really wise to do. Um, J.I. Packer, who was a theologian who died just last year, he said it was his life's mission to bring that back, and, and I think that was wise. But if you look back even in the Puritan era, like there was there was separate meetings often for the youth meeting with the pastor to do catechism, um, just as a way to kind of integrate them in the church. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we had the Sunday school movement and kind of going into youth ministry. So I don't I don't I don't think the idea of youth ministry is necessarily bad. Uh, we have small groups in churches. We have married groups. Um, so I think the idea of, of of kind of investing in the youth. Is, is is perfectly fine, but I think the way we've done it a lot of times is, is not wise as far as making it all about programs, making it about numbers, and doing it in a way where we don't hold parents accountable. Yeah, and I think that when we separate youth from the regular body of the church, uh, Vody Bauckham, he says this, that we've created a church within the church, and I think that speaks to a very uh, loud volume because when you separate the youth from the rest of the believers and the rest of the people uh, and the rest of the congregation, you're creating just an entirely new church almost. And uh, when you especially worship and preach the word, those are all great things, but you're separating the youth from the church. And the youth, they don't get to watch their parents worship. And I think that's a super important thing mm-hmm. when, especially from a young age, look up and see your parents just worshiping. Yeah. Um, so I think when you separate the youth uh, you tend to create barriers in a sense as well of like the regular church. Like, hey, we're we're youth. We're separate from we're separated from uh, the adults. And as we just read on uh, some of Will's verses, I believe it was in First Timothy. Um, it was just saying like, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. Um, so, I, and I think there needs to be a distinction made in that too because Timothy was in a position of authority there. He was mm-hmm. um, the leader of. The, uh, of the church in Ephesus? Ephesus, yes. So um, I think there is a distinction. And, you know, Timothy wasn't 14, 15, mm-hmm. 16, yeah. also. He was much older than that. But uh, sure. the, the idea remains the same that um, youth is something that's good. <laughs> youth mm-hmm. is something that can be um, used for very um, noble and righteous purposes. Um, and... It's like, a, it's a, like it's you important. two doing bald heads, bad takes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful thing. My <laughs> little plug, shout yeah. out. Yeah. But um, there needs to be um, a certain level of, you know, nobody's born knowing like 
how to operate as a Christian. Mm-hmm. No one's born knowing Christian doctrine. So there needs to be someone pouring into, uh, pouring into uh, the youth. And I think that um, a lot of the problems that, you know, youth ministers themselves will say uh, about youth ministry is that there's, uh, we need more of a relation. Uh, we need more time with the kids. You know, we need, um, we need this and we need that. And I think any of those um, complaints can be fulfilled um, by a proper, um, pro- I guess, proper roles um, of the parents and proper. Um, so, do you think? Do you think of the raising up of a of a child? Do you think that's the youth minister or the children minister's job, or do you think it's the parents? Oh, it's the parents' job. It's the okay. parents' job. Yeah. But I so, think, don't you yeah. think youth ministry? sort of takes that off of the parents when it should be well, put on them? Well, so I think that, I mean, one of the things that I think Vaudy has done in this argument is making it seem like it's all or nothing. For example, yeah, he makes true. it sound like if you're going to have youth ministry, the teenagers won't be in church. Now, mm-hmm. at my, at my uh, church, I lead the youth ministry, and I try to incorporate the parents as much as we can, but, like, the youth are in church. Mm-hmm. We don't have youth. We don't have a separate service. We have a youth group at night on Sunday evenings, mm-hmm. But the middle school and high school kids are in church worshiping. Um, so what do you guys say to a church that is that is communicating with parents, a youth pastor is meeting with the parents, and the kids are in church, but they also have a separate meeting during the week? Like, mm-hmm. with, with I, th- with that. I think it can be a good thing, but I also think it can still be harmful because um, in today's society, the job of the parents for raising up their children are just to open the door and drop the kids off and then mm-hmm. brush their hands and say, yep, my youth pastor got it. So I think it's dangerous, but I also think if it is done right, it can be a super beneficial thing. Right. Um, but it's just all about doing it right. Um, but is there something about uh, a person on staff at a church that has a time to research, you know, the intersection of, say, faith and technology mm-hmm. or teenagers and sexuality in a way that maybe parents who are just who are busy all week really can't? But also be able to communicate this back to the parents. Like, is that something that you guys think would be would, is helpful for a church, or are you still kind of on the That'd fence cool. about that? That'd be cool. I uh, I, th- I think that um, that 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 falls on the parents, and that's a burden, and it's a beautiful burden. That's of a raising good up a child, yeah. um, and it's and it's a very difficult thing to navigate, and that's why parenting isn't easy, mm-hmm. um, and that's why you know parents mess up a lot, and um, but that's. That's 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 part of the job that you sign up for, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think, I think that youth ministry should be a tool and a resource for the parents. I think it should be an accessory. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. For what is actually happening in the home mm-hmm. and the raising up of a child. Yeah. So another another thing that Vadi talks about, and again, we're just focusing on him because he's kind of been the the speaker behind this Mm -hmm. entire uh, Mm -hmm. kind of movement to abolish youth ministry. Also, uh, if you guys ever want, if anyone else wants that's listening wants to check out, there's a a website called Family Integrated Churches. Um, Again, I I don't subscribe to this. I I am I am I leave my youth group. I I think it's I think it's a positive thing uh, overall. But there is a whole website where you can read articles, you can see videos. and the idea behind these churches is that we should have all ages worshiping together, where it's a beautiful yeah. thing where you have a 5-year-old and a 70-year-old and a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old kind of all together learning to follow Jesus together. And then all these different examples, which I agree with mm-hmm. that too. I don't think yeah. we have to parse all these things out. Um, 
but Vardy has made an argument that this has just become like an industry where it's all about the money, where there's conferences and there's t-shirts and there's book companies. Now, you two are both in the age where you're still in youth group. Mm-hmm. What's your yes. experience been? Has, has it seemed like something that's overly produced or has it been something that you've found to be relational and helpful? So my youth pastor and I are very close, uh, Pastor Kyle. Um, so he, he's been a great mentor in my life. And I think... He is definitely not doing it for the money, as some do. I think we can all admit some do. Um, a lot of people do it for the wrong motives. Um, but my pastor, he he does lead um, our youth group. Uh, he preaches Sunday nights. Um, but we also have it where all ages worship with families as well uh, in the congregation. Um, so I think when you take it from that approach of we don't want to distract you from your family time of worship, but this is sort of like a supplementary thing, uh, like a vitamin for a meal. Um, I think that's that's perfectly okay. Um, but again, it's just dangerous, and it's all about how they handle it. And if the pastor becomes um, more money-motivated, then that's where you really need to draw the line. Now, now, do you think, Evan, that you would be in the same, um, you know, the same, like, excitement you have about Scripture and just, and just the things of the Lord if it wasn't for the youth ministry at your church? So... In my opinion, no, because my pastor is like <clears throat> basically like trained me in the word, which is which is awesome. Um, but at the same time, I think if God wanted me to be eager about the word, He would. Um, I know Vodi also. Uh, again, going back to Vodi, he uh, he keeps saying, saying it wrong. Is it Vodi or Vodi? It's Vodi. It's, oh, okay. that's why yeah, Will yeah. and I. I was wondering why they were laughing. At me. <laughs> yeah, it's Vodi. Um, so he says, you don't get saved because of fill in the blank. You get saved because of God. So I think, like, if God wants someone to be eager in the word, which I think he does, um, I think that he will make that person eager in the word no matter what. So the same thing, like, oh, well, I got saved in youth ministry. It must be biblical. You didn't get saved because of anything. You got saved because of God. You could even Quote say that. I think he said... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I... Go ahead, Will. I'll, yeah. I'll respond to that in a minute. <laughs> in the, uh, in the uh, interview, um, Vody Bauckham said... Um, <laughs> he yeah. said... Um, one of the things he said about that was, you didn't get saved because of fill-in-the-blank. You got saved in spite of mm-hmm. fill-in-the-blank as well. Um, but I think... Um, I had a... Um, slightly different experience with youth ministry. I think it's been an overall positive one, but um, from observation, I noticed um, a lot of kids will show up to youth and then leave after. And, um, and you know, we have, uh, in my church, we have two services. Um, and normally, you know, first, first hour you go to youth and second you go to big church. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of kids will leave after youth and... Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's on the parents, honestly. I think that falls sadly so. Yeah, that falls on the parents, um, and uh, they're not doing their jobs as they should um, if they're truly committed to raising up a child. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of factors that factor into this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we at my church, we've had an interim pastor for a year now, an interim youth pastor um, for a year, and it's been. Uh, and it's it, it's hard because the youth ministry is somewhat dying, mm-hmm. feels like, um, and there's not any strong leadership. I mean, this guy has another full time job. He obviously can't devote, you know, all of his time to this. So there's a lot of factors that uh, go into this. But I think another question I'd like to bring up is what about kids that don't have Christian parents? 
that mm. can't raise them up. Yeah. And, and I also think that there's, I mean, we can get into these scenarios of perfect world where, you know, every parent is equipped and able to, to disciple their kids. But, I mean, our hope, I mean, even at Ben Lippin, is that kids would come in here who... Maybe their parents just like, or maybe even just culturally Christian, yeah. but they meet the Lord here, and their parents maybe aren't saved. Like, so who who is going to step in that gap? And I know, I know, you know, some people on the other side would say, well, like that doesn't mean that we need to create a whole industry there. Yeah. But um, these kids are, I mean, the Lord wants to see them grow, and and you can only grow. Um, I think. I shouldn't say you can only grow. You grow better when there's older people pouring into you and yeah. pouring wisdom into you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, reality, I mean, the amount of people with, with two parents who are following the Lord and who are who are catechizing their kids is, is relatively small. Probably this very... Really small, extreme, right? Yeah. And I think even, and even the best parents, they lack wisdom in certain areas. Yeah. You know, there's some things that, like, my wife and I probably lack that someone else in my daughter's life will probably add to her experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you say about that? So, I mean, um, just because the person or the child doesn't have Christian parents, I still think the Lord will provide. And some might say, yeah, it's called student ministry. Um, but others might say, yeah, find a mentor. Um, yeah. That, that child, I guess, uh, when he makes his decision to follow uh, Christ, you know, he... He would want to find someone to mentor him. And I think the church itself should find someone to mentor him yeah. as well, not necessarily a youth yeah. minister. Um, and another thing, going back off that, just because something's not done right doesn't mean you put a minister in it. Yeah. Um, you know, youth ministry is done wrong sometimes, and the parents, they do lack in that. But that doesn't mean you need to put a pastor in it. Yeah. Um, Vody brings us back to tithing. A lot of people do that wrong. But there's no tithing pastor or tithing yeah. minister, so like, why why is it different for youth? Yeah, I I like I like that um, point you brought up about um, about mentors and mentees, mm-hmm. um, and I think that every um, every you know young Christian, whether you are young or whether you're thirty or forty mm-hmm. or fifty, should have someone like in Titus Titus two that is older and wiser in the faith, um, you know, mentoring you and. Um, I think that biblically, ideally, it's the parents mm-hmm. that do that. and But for a lot of kids, it's not. And, and I know for me personally, um, I'm blessed enough to have parents that are devout Christians. But I also have teachers and ministers and other people that will pour into me um, in that sense. So I think the main objective of student ministry should be a accessory. It should be an accessory, mm-hmm. a utility for the main um, mentor of the child, which ideally is mm-hmm. the parent. Yeah. yeah, I think you guys are coming around to really something really important here is that every every Christian should be in a relationship with someone that's older and further along yeah. the road where they are uh, <laughs> where they are learning from. I mean, I am in those relationships. You guys mm-hmm. are obviously in these relationships. And I think that's just, it's a principle that, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're not, and you're not in that relationship, like you need to find someone. And there's, I mean, if you go to Ben Lippin, there's people. If yeah. you go to a church, there's people. Um, but there, there are people that, that God will provide to do this to you. But mm-hmm. I also think that um, in some ways I agree with what you're saying. Like I have seen, for example, in the small group at my church, uh, when we started, there was these teenagers that were there. They were freshmen in college. And uh, rather than getting really plugged into, you know, the student ministry at their church, I mean, at their church and, sorry, not at their school, like crew or, or RUF, 
they just plugged into your local church and committed to being part of a small group with married people and old people and single people. And I've, I've heard from their mouths that it was the best decision they ever made because yep. they were around, they were 18-year-olds around 45-year-olds. Yeah. Um, they were around 60-year-olds. And I do think that is the ideal place for growth. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, I still do think that youth ministry can be done well. And I think that when it's done well, it's a, it's a great resource for, for kids. But um, how often is it done well? That's the thing. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that right now in the current culture, it's getting better. I think that in the 90s and early 2000s, there was this kind of movement towards like dropping kids off, like you guys were saying. But I do think that uh, some of the things that Vody, Vody, right? Yes. Vody, some of the things that Vody has actually said pushing back, writing books about it, um, there was, this, there was a book written by a guy at Southeastern Seminary, I think it was Alvin Reed, he talks about. And, and I think he's pushed back in a way that, like, you know, churches have begun to rethink this whole youth ministry thing. And they're like, listen, guys, we can't cut the parents out. The parents mm-hmm. are the essential person here to minister. We're, we're just going around and we're just going through and helping them in this relationship. And if that's the case, I think that's good. Okay, so mm-hmm. quick question. How... How much of a burden relief is it for youth ministry to parents? Like, how much of the plate is taken off by sending your kid to youth ministry? I don't. I don't think you can quantify that. I think it's a. Like, I don't think it's like a. Well, you know, fifty percent should yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I think it goes back to. Um, it's not like it's it's not a shared responsibility necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's the responsibility falls on the parents, and youth ministry should ideally be. Mm-hmm. Just but let's be honest, that's, that's not usually the case. And it's not, and which is why I think it needs reform. Yeah, so It like, doesn't reform, I think. And, uh, I mean, but some parents, I mean, it's also a burden to bring your kids across town yeah. on Sunday evenings. Mm-hmm. Like, some parents won't do that. And, yeah. and I think it's great that parents are willing to do that. So I, I don't know. The churches I've been at, for the most part, I've seen it done well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's places it's not done well. And I'm sure even in places it's done well, parents are using it in a way that's, that's not helpful. Yeah. But... Um, I, I think I think this argument has become very black and white, and, yeah. and I think most yeah. of these types of things, um, they're not really clear cut. Somewhere in the gray. Okay, so final verdict, Evan, is there a baby in the uh, in the youth ministry bathwater? <laughs> Explain that analogy more. He doesn't time. I I've never heard that analogy. Okay, so if you've never heard the uh, baby in the bathwater analogy, you. Uh, you throw out the bathwater because it's dirty and it's and it's not good, but there's a baby in the bathwater, so you don't want to throw out the baby. So do we throw out youth ministry, or is it worth it to keep it and get rid of the bad stuff? Okay, so I think it's good to throw out the dirty water, the yes. bathwater, but keep the baby. Okay. So I think there are some parts where you do, do need to throw out. So there is a baby in the bathwater? Yeah, of okay. course. So, yeah. Right. What do you think, Mr. Yuma? Yeah, I, I think that uh, there is a baby. I think that we need to uh, we need to keep this thing. I think that something needs to be evaluated um, over and over again in churches. I think it can't be evaluated yearly. It has to be evaluated monthly, weekly. Yeah. Um, are we serving these kids well? Do the parents know what we're doing? Are the parents involved? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have a relationship with the parents? If you're a youth pastor, like, do you know the parents well? Yeah. Do you meet with them? Like, that, those are questions that need to be asked. But if the answer is yes, like, are you doing those things? I think this is a net positive for for the church. All right, um, I'd like to close us out with a uh, passage from Ephesians 6 where Paul is uh, um, uh, directly addressing children and parents in Ephesus. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So God has given this incredible gift to parents Mm -hmm. to invest in the lives of their children. And one of the most important things they can do is just that. So again, like uh, as much as it is hard for the parents, I think it's such a a rewarding thing to see. Um, Obviously, I'm not a parent. I don't know. But just hearing people um, talk about their children just getting raised up in the Lord, that's got to be such a beautiful thing, yet such a hard and overwhelming thing at some points. But I still think it's worth it to persevere through catechism even. And my daughter is four years old and we've been doing catechism. And it's it's hard because you, end, like, you just want to put your kid to bed at night you know, because yeah. you're tired. But it's been so rewarding to see her learn these truths. And then, and then the hope is that as she, I mean, she's four now, but as she, as she grows, that these truths actually become like a reality. Right. Um, so it's been really, it's, it's a privilege to, to mm-hmm. do that as parents. Um, but yeah, that's a good discussion. I think that this youth ministry thing is worthy of our of our conversation and, and mm-hmm. analysis because it's something that we're talking about souls here. We're talking about people that are in the church that need to be uh, plugged into the body because that's what God calls. He calls us to be a body um, mm-hmm. and building each other up. And I think youth ministry is one way to do that. Um, but that was a good talk, guys. Good talk. I enjoyed that. That's uh, Bald Heads, Bad Takes, uh, Episode 2. Mm. So come back for more theology. <laughs> and hopefully, I don't know what our takes will be for the next episode. I'm sure there'll be some bad takes coming. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, uh, Bryce and Shambo will pull this thing out in the Masters so I don't look <laughs> like a fool. All right. So, yeah. Everyone, have a good weekend. <laughs>